0: So today we are talking about the power of the church. I mean, we're talking about vintage church, and the, the whole idea behind the series is that there are ancient truths all throughout the Bible that sometimes we look at them and we say, well, that's, you know, that's vintage, that's old-fashioned, really doesn't have a place today in our world as we live in the 21st century. But what I hope that we are going to see is that as we look in Scripture, we're going to see that the ancient truths of Scripture still have power today. They still make a difference today. And the fact of the matter is, people are impressed with power. You know, we like it whenever we see things that are powerful. I mean, there are, I mean, most guys, whenever we see a car that's all souped up, we're, we're impressed with that. Uh, for those of you involved in athletics or if you like to watch sports, you know, I marvel at guys that are able to hit towering home runs. I just watched the home run derby uh, a few weeks ago. And it's a, but why do you think they have that thing? They don't have the single derby, you know, it's the home run derby. Uh, there's a train in Japan that fascinates me. It's a supersonic train, travels over 200 miles an hour. It goes so fast that the wheels aren't even touching the tracks. Now, I don't know how that works, but that's something that fascinates me. So people are intrigued with power, but we're not really all that intrigued with, like, mediocre stuff. You know, when I play golf, nobody ever watches me tee off on the first hole and starts cheering. Uh, whenever, whenever our kids were younger, uh, and I was, uh, every once in a while, when we'd go on vacation, I would have to drive the Ford Windstar van. And I, I never had somebody pull up next to me and say, hey, man, how many horsepower do you have in that van? I mean, People aren't impressed with mediocre stuff, but what people are impressed with is power. And today what I want us to see is that there is power in God's church. There is great strength when God's people gather together for worship. And so today in our scripture, we're going to see Jesus asking his disciples to identify his importance in the world. And as they do that, then he begins to share with them several important facts about the power of the church. And and I think there are some of us, when we think about the power of the church, we honestly don't think a whole lot about it. Because there are some who look at the church and they view the church as being sort of like a a benign entity that really doesn't make a difference one way or another. You know, maybe it's just sort of like a nice place to come and and spend like an hour of your day on a Sunday and then that's about it. But what we're going to see is that Jesus has important plans for the church. And we're going to see that Jesus also is the one who empowers the church. And so if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to look with me in in Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to look in verse number 13. So Matthew 16, verse number 13. This is a passage of scripture where Jesus introduces, really the the, the first time he introduces the church. And what the church is to be about. Now at this point, when you get to Matthew 16, here's what's going on. People know, who they're starting to figure out who Jesus is. I mean, he is a teacher that is different than every other teacher. As a matter of fact, when people heard him teach, they said he is different because when he speaks, he speaks as one who has authority. He was also different because he performed miracles. And so people were like impressed. They're like, this guy is unbelievable. And so they began to ask questions, well, who exactly is Jesus. Now the religious leaders of the day, it would be the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were were trying to pride Jesus and tell him, why don't you perform a miracle for us to prove that you really are from God? And so this is the backdrop that we have when we get to Matthew chapter 16. And it's here in this chapter that Jesus asks his followers, he says, who do you say that I am? Who do you believe that I am? And it's in the midst of their answer that Jesus shares with them the power of the church. So what are some things that we need to know about the church? Well, I just want to share with you a few facts about the power of the church. And the very first fact about the power of the church is the power of the church is underestimated. Most people don't see the value of that is in the church most most people don't understand that uh, they don't understand the power that comes with the church now let me read to you in verses 13 and 14 says when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples who do people say that the son of man is and they said some say John the Baptist others Elijah still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets Okay, now what does all this mean? Let's start off where, where Jesus was speaking. Jesus was in a region, it was called Caesarea Philippi. It's in northern Israel. I mean, it is a beautiful part of the nation of Israel. Now, whenever you go up there, there's trees, there's a beautiful river that runs through there. The Jordan River starts up in that area. And as they were there, uh, this was also a region that was known for its paganism. Uh, there, is a, there was a, a shrine... To the Greek God pan there, so they believe that so where we get pantheism, believe God is in everything, you know, God's a tree and all these different things. And so it's interesting that in, in, the, in the midst of paganism, Jesus says, "Now here we are standing around all this stuff. let me ask you a question. Who do people say that I am?" Well, what was the answer? Well, they gave some interesting answers. They said, "Some say that you're John the Baptist. You all heard of John the Baptist? Okay, and now at this point, John the Baptist had already been executed. He had been beheaded, if you know the story, by Herod. And some said that Jesus was John the Baptist resurrected. Because Jesus taught a very similar message that John did. Jesus would tell people, you want to see the kingdom of God? You want to know God? He said, then you must repent. You must turn away from your sins and follow me. So some said that Jesus was John the Baptist, and then somebody said, well, some say that you are Elijah the prophet. Now, any, have y'all heard of Elijah before? Right, y'all heard of Elijah? He's the guy that called down fire from heaven back in the Old Testament. So why would, say some, why would some say he was Elijah? Well, because there was a prophecy that before the Messiah came, before he came, that Elijah would reappear and perform incredible works, and he'd be a great teacher. So some saw Jesus... That's Elijah. He's a great teacher. And then some said that he was Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Now that's that's, a, I mean, that's like a who's who in all of the Bible. Who do people say that I am? Well, they say that you're some of the Hall of Fame kind of guys in the Bible. Be like somebody coming up to me and saying, man, Eric, I tell you what, every time you preach, you remind me, you know, like Billy Graham. Which some of y'all might be thinking that, right? Uh, That would be like you coming up to me and saying, you know, whenever you preach, you remind me of of like your father. And those things would be compliments to me. But when people were saying these things about Jesus, wasn't that impressive to Jesus? Now, now why would that be? Here's why. Because Jesus was greater and bigger and better and more well-connected. Than all of these people that were mentioned. In other words, people underestimated the identity of who Jesus was. People didn't quite grasp just how great Jesus was. And I really believe that is precisely the same truth for us today. Especially when people begin to talk about the church, many times we underestimate the identity, and the power of the church. Now hear, I'll hear people tell me, well, I think the church is a good thing. You know, it's a place where it teaches good morals. And if you want your kids to learn some stuff about how to be nice to people, you know, typically the church is a good place for it to get teaching. Uh, the, the church can be a good place, you know, where they can do some good social deeds. Like uh, last week, some, some of us on the staff, we, we went out, and you all might have noticed the orange bags, uh, that the trash pickup. There's some people who think that's what the church does, we pick up trash. Now, is that, is that a bad thing? Well, n- none of those things are bad things. Guys, let me tell you something. The church is much, much more than that. The church has greater power than those things. You see, I really believe the church is a powerhouse that is waiting to be unleashed, and yet a lot of times we don't see it. And it's always a mistake to underestimate the power of something. I read a story about a pilot named William Langwish, and he talked about whenever in, in flying, whenever the artificial horizon instrument came out. And he said, now what's, that wasn't really important because it would let you know, you know how you were flying along with the horizon. That's kind of important. He said, now before the artificial instrument came out, he said, you did everything by sight. He said, you would fly and you'd look out and say, yeah, I'm not heading straight into the ground. That's a good thing. He said, but the problem comes whenever you're flying and maybe a fog comes in or if you get into the clouds and then you can't see anything around you. Well, then how do you determine what the horizon is? And he said, basically, the pilots, what they used to do is they went by feel. And he said, now, let me tell you something. He said, there is nothing worse than flying a plane by feel when you can't see. He said, because your feelings aren't always correct. He said, you can feel like that you are flying straight ahead when in fact you were heading straight towards the ground. and not comforting? Now for those of you getting ready to fly, the good news is they have artificial horizon systems now. And he said so they can look at the artificial horizon and tell if they're level or not. He said but a lot of pilots when it first came out refused to use the instrument because they trusted themselves more than the instrument. And he said "And it was foolishness. Guys, let me tell you something. Whenever we trust ourselves more than the instrument of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit and the power of the church, what many of us are doing is we are taking the wheel of our own life and we are headed straight into the ground, destroying our lives. Too too many of us see the church as just simply being a place that we come to punch the clock saying, I've done my good deed for the week.' The church is more than that church is a place where we come to worship it's a place where we come to receive instruction it's a place where we're coming to bow before the god who says i can transform your life second corinthians 5 17 says therefore if any man be in christ it says he is a new creation It says the old is gone behold the new has come the church is a powerhouse because it is a place where God himself comes to dwell among us and transform and change lives. So what's the fact about the, about the power of the church? The power of the church is often underestimated. But also the power of the church comes from Christ. The power of the church is fueled by Jesus. In verse number 15, here's what Jesus said. It says, but you, Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Simon, son of Jonah, you're blessed, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. You know, we, we can talk all we want about what other people have to say about Jesus. You can ask people, say, hey, who do you believe that Jesus is? And it's, it's good to kind of have an idea of where other people are coming from. But guys, in the end, that is a question that we have to answer ourselves. Jesus asked, he said, first of all, I said, who do people say that I am? But do you notice how he he really refined that search at the end? He said, but who do you say that I am? Well, what did they have to say about that? Well, Peter said, well, you're the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Okay, now what does that mean? Is that, really, I mean, is that, that It sounds pretty lofty, but is it really that big of a deal? Guys, let me tell you something. That, that is a big deal. That statement means everything to us. Because what Peter was saying is saying, Jesus, you are not just some other guy. Jesus, you are not just a great teacher. You're not just a great prophet. You are God who came into our world and put on flesh. In John one fourteen it says the Word, speaking of Jesus, it says He became flesh and made His dwelling among us. and We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, now, now what does that mean for the church? Here's what it means. It means the main fuel, the main power source for the church is God Himself. The, the fuel for the church, it's, it's not... Ultimately, it's it's not people. You know, if we are the, the ones who determine how we're going to operate, what we're going to do, then the power of the church is going to be limited because people are limited. You know, we live and then we die. The one who has charge, the one who fuels the church, who's supposed to, is to be Jesus himself. And yeah, I think there's sometimes whenever we come into the church... And again, I'm not speaking about y'all, but just like in general, there will be, be, be people who come into the church. I said, mean, I just didn't feel anything. You know, the church just really didn't do anything for me. I, I came into the church and I, I left no different. Well, the, so, so what's up whenever that happens? Yeah, you know, I liken it to this. You know, on, on the on the weekends, on Saturday, typically, I will go out. One thing I'll do is I we have a uh, we have a you know a blower. And so I'll get the blower out, and I like to blow off the driveway and, uh, and then you know, maybe cheat a little bit and blow off the leaves and shoot them into the neighbor's yard and stuff like that. And so I like to work that thing. Now, whenever I get it and I start it up, what I have to do, and if you have one, you know that you have to uh, on mine, you know, have that little trigger, and I bring it back, and I lock it in. And then I, um, I prime the pump, and I prime, so I prime it 10 times, push it in, get the gas flowing through the tubes, you know, and prime it, and then I pull the cord, and I I pull it six times, you know, five, six, after that, then I drop it down to half choke, and then I, and then I pull it again, by the time I pull it the fifth time, it's supposed to start right up, now, I'm sitting there, and I'm pulling that cord, and priming that pump, and, and nothing happening, and I mean, I'm, then I start yanking on it, you know, you just start to really just ripping into it, and nothing's happening, happen, and after like five minutes, I finally do what I should have done at the beginning. You know what that is? Check to see if there's any gas. Okay, so when it's not starting, uh, let me tell you something, it doesn't matter how many times I prime the pump, it doesn't matter how hard I pull that cord, if there's no gas in the tank, there will be no power. And I believe many times when we come into the church, and I'm talking you know, just as a building, and we come together to worship, and we're not feeling anything, we're not experiencing anything, we don't feel like we've heard from God, I don't care how many times you come here, I don't care how many times you prime the pump, if you don't have Jesus in you, then you're going to lack power. See, it's not not the experience of the church, what it is, is is who is in you. You see, too many times we are working off of our own power and then we end up disappointed. And that's why Peter said there's only one power source. And that power source is Jesus. I mean, Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And it's on this confession that the church has been built. And yet too many times we are settling for that which is counterfeit instead of the real thing. And then we wonder, well, why don't I have any real power? Why is it that when I bought that cubic zirconia and I went and I had it tested out and they said it's only worth $50, why, why is that? That ticks me off. It's because the diamond's not real. You want value and you want power? Then you've got to have the real thing. Now let me ask you a question. When it comes to your faith, are you getting the real thing? Because if you are investing your life in something where you are looking for eternity, you better make sure that you're investing in one who has the ability to provide you with an eternity. We're told in Acts 4.12, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. Guys, the answer is Jesus. The power source for the church, it is Jesus. And if it's anything else, we're going to fall short. So what do we need to know about the power of the church? Well, it's underestimated. Another thing we need to know is the power of the church, it will only come from Christ. He's it. And then this is the last thing. The power of the church is relevant. What's the last fact we need to know about the church, the power of the church? It is relevant. It's relevant for today in the 21st century. Uh, the last few verses, look in verse number, see, 18. My favorite verse is right here. It says, and I also say to you, this is Jesus talking to Peter. He said, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the forces of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven And whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. And he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. Now, there are some people who don't really see the relevancy of the church for today. You know, they really don't understand it. And whenever they look at it, they say, you know, I mean, the the church really isn't that important. I can worship God on my own. I don't need to worship with other believers. I don't need to be in the church. And it's true. We We can't worship alone. Uh, Y'all, I can tell you this. I I have worshipped when I've been out in the woods by myself. I have worshipped when I've been in my car. But that does not mean that that is to take the place of me gathering together with other believers corporately worshipping. Here is every pastor's favorite verse. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together as is the habit of some. He said, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This verse tells us that believers are to gather together to worship. It is what we call church. The word church is real simple. It just means an assembly. An assembly of believers. Okay, so what does that mean for us as Christians? Christians, this is, every preacher loves this. That verse, you know what it's telling us? It means that believers there is no excuse for us avoiding gathering together for worship. Now, you might look at that and say, well, that's nice, but is the church, I mean, it really, does it really do anything? I mean, is it really that important? Does it really have power? That's why I like these verses we just read. Look at what Jesus said about the church. First of all, you'll notice in verses 16 through 18, Jesus said, uh, he said, I will be the one who builds the church. Okay, so what does that mean? I mean, Jesus is behind the church. He is the architect of the church. You know, before you buy a car or you buy a house, you know, typically, you want to know who built it, right? Because uh, the value of it is greatly determined on who built it. Who built the church? It's Jesus. Jesus said, I built the church, therefore it is valuable. Jesus is the foundation of the church. And my favorite thing is Jesus says, because I'm behind it, he says the church will have power. What kind of power will the church have? He said the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church. Guys, you want to be involved in something that is bigger than you? You want to be a part of a team that has power over all things? You need to be part of the church. Jesus said, if you become a part of my body of believers, he said, there is nothing that will have its hold, will have power over you, not even death. That's why Jesus said this, because at this point, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. And he knew he was going to die, and his, his disciples would be alone, and he wanted them to know, even though I'm leaving you, I want you to understand, you're going to be okay. Because you're going to have my power. He says, As matter of fact, I'm going to leave you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You know, you know what keys symbolize? Keys symbolize authority. Parents, when your kids want to drive a car, what matters? Who's got the keys? Now, if mom and dad have the keys, that means they got the authority. Now, if you give the keys to your kid, what does that mean they get to do? means y'all get to answer what they get to do they get to drive that they get the power jesus gave his power and his authority he gave his keys to the church guys what that means for us is we get to experience the life and the power of jesus and we get to because he's given us the keys to the kingdom means we have a key to the gates of heaven and whenever you have the keys, it means you get, to, you get to share the keys if you want to so that other people can experience the power of Jesus. So here's my question for you. Do you have the key to salvation? Do you have the keys of God? See, so there's some facts we need to know about the church. The first one is that, man, the power of the church is greatly underestimated. Guys, it, it is so much more than we can ever even imagine. The second fact about the church is that the power of the church comes from God And the church, it matters, it is relevant for today. We have people that need to be given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Church family, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, you have the keys. It's time for you to share. For others of us, it's time for us to say, Jesus, I want your keys. Jesus, I ask that you will redeem me and rescue me. Save me. Guys, the church matters. It matters so much more than we realize. Let's trust in the power of God and that he tells the truth.